the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY for New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the sessions. I'm really excited for this episode. This is a woman who I feel like I have been, is the word linked right? Does that feel weird? I don't know. People have wanted us to like hang out and be in the same room and do something together. So this podcast was the best place for us to jump that off. Uh, We kind of get into it like literally right off the bat of this interview. Uh, But this is like seven years in the making of us being able to, to do a little something something. But Katie Nolan, let me tell you, she lives up to the hype. I am a fan. I think she's amazing. I love what she has done just in her body of work alone, all of the things she's been able to accomplish to stepping away from things for a little bit and now back in the swing working with Apple Plus, Friday Night Baseball, absolutely crushing it, stepping into the booth, doing something she's never done before. And it takes some serious balls to do something like that. So kudos to her for stepping in and trying something new. I love that. It's I always feel like that in in my career too of like, Try some new shit and mix it up and see what kind of skills are transferable into this other space and see what you can make work. And um, sometimes you really get some magical moments from that. So I'm really excited for for Katie stepping into this space covering MLB. Very, very cool. Um, So this is a great conversation Two mid 30s women just having a time. So I hope that you guys enjoy it. Turn the volume up. Give it a little listen. Enjoy. Here is Katie Nolan. I feel like this is, uh, I don't know, seven years in the making. I feel like I've been told about you and ready to meet you uh, for at least seven years now. So it is an honor to be here. And it's so nice to talk to you face to face. It's so nice. It's so funny. I really feel like 
kind of as soon as I started like working and you started working, people were like, wow, we need to see like Renee and Katie together. And through Zoom is the best that we can do right now. But it is a yeah, start. Through, through we'll Zoom and in our PJs. So honestly, I'm grateful for the opportunity. It's so funny. I feel like there's times that I'm like, man, I used to really feel like I had my finger on the pulse with fashion. I loved a good loud outfit. And now as soon as I even attempt, I'm like, first of all, who do you think you are anymore? Second of all, let's put the sweats back on. This is the jig is up. At least you had it and then kind of lost it. I never had it. (laughs) I was always just like, yeah, I'll put on this shirt. And then I would just look at people's faces and be like, all right, this is good. Then I'll wear this. I had no idea. So this to me is like, finally I can embrace sweatpants, but I will say makeup. I have, um, I went through phases in the pandemic where I was like, Oh, I'm starting to get good at it. Now when I put it on, I'm like, that's entirely wrong. And why are you doing it? (laughs) Yeah. I'll like catch myself. Like I put on, if I'm doing a record like this, even though like my hair's in a, I'm wearing a sports bra, my hair's a mess. I'm like, let's just slap on a lash and see what happens. But then I'll pass myself like later in the day, like through a mirror in my house. I'm like, calm down. What's going on here? Like calm it down. You really didn't need that winged of a liner (laughs) when you're not even wearing foundation, Katie. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm practicing. It's so hard to wing once your eyes are starting to sag over because you're in your mid thirties. It's like, let's just pull it a little taut. Yeah. Now is not the time for me to try to learn how to do this. And yet I'm trying my best. Listen, we got to just you got to cast that reel out there and just see what happens. It's it's all about the effort. Um, How have you been? What's going on in your world? Um, you know, obviously, as with, I think, most people in the world, a lot of stuff in my life has changed kind of dramatically and quickly over the last, uh, let's say, two years. That was a little bit of like a, woo rough waters. Um, and yeah, I get a little motion sick. So it was a little rough there for a while. Um, I've always been open about the fact that I deal with depression and depression really rears its head when you are isolated and, um, you know, going through transitions in your life. I had a rough time. I kind of sat with what I've done in however many years and it's felt like two, but apparently it's been at least seven. And I sort of sat with it and was like, all right, what's, um, do we have a plan? What are we doing? What's working? What's not working? Are there things you want to try that you haven't tried yet? Like, do you want to do this anymore? And then of course, you know, as a, again, a woman in her mid thirties, your body's like, are we going to do the kid thing? Is that going to happen at some point? And so like having all of that happen at once, um, very lucky that I have a wonderful uh, boyfriend who rode through it with me and an adorable dog who did so as well. But it, it was a tough time. And, um, and so now to answer your actual question, how am I? Um, now I am working and I'm working at something I've never done before and never in a million years thought they would allow me to do. I'm in the booth for uh, Friday Night Baseball on Apple TV Plus, not to give a shout out, but shout out. Give the shout out. Shout out from the rooftops. It is so hard, Renee. <laughs> it is so hard and it's so different from anything I've ever done, but I'm I'm still I think we're like nine weeks in now. I'm still excited. I get excited around this time every week for like what the game is going to be this week. And so like I'm enjoying it. Like I said, it's hard and people aren't being very nice. But I think that like I keep checking myself to be like, look, if you don't enjoy this, you don't have to do this. This might have just been a mistake. And it doesn't have to be like a career defining mistake. It can just be like, hey, you tried it and it didn't work. So let's pivot. 
And so I keep checking with myself, but myself keeps responding with like, no, I think we should keep going. And so that's, that's where I'm at. Given your skill set and your personality that I, I know from seeing your shows and just seeing you as a personality, I feel like it should be this great fit of this quick thinker. You're very witty and sharp, and it's finding a way to apply that into something that has never been done before, which is obviously not easy to do, as you said. Um, so what have been some of the learning curves of trying to jump in there as a female voice? I hate even saying that, but it's true. You jump in there as a female voice and you, you it's a three man booth. Yeah. Mm hmm. And trying to find what your voice is, how you can still have that fun, witty side of Katie Nolan and bring that to the sport. This could be the rest of the podcast. I could, you and I go back and forth on this one question for the rest of the podcast. So a couple tough things that are separate from the things you've already mentioned are tough before we get to those. I got this job the day after they had their first rehearsal, which was the week before the first game. So I got this job and that Friday was traveling. And it was just like, uh, are we doing this? I guess I'm doing this. And then like, you need to hurry up and do this. So it came together very last minute. Whereas I think if I had had, I don't know, a couple months to ease from only playing video games and never putting pants on um, <laughs> all day to like getting dressed and doing your hair and makeup in front of a camera, I think I would have spent a lot of that like listening to booths that people like or, you know, watching games from the last season to just get back in the vibe. But again, I had a day. So um, so it was kind of, that was a little bit stressful. And then the fact that the booth itself, I didn't meet my booth mates, Stephen Nelson and Hunter Pence until, uh, and I should mention Heidi Watney is on the field. I always, she's not in the booth, but she is a huge part of our team. I always hear she's a gem too. So shout out to Heidi. And she's like royalty to me because I'm a Red Sox fan and she was our, our reporter. And so like, when I heard she was working on it, I was like, um, the maybe jumps to yes, I have to work with Heidi Watney. And she's every bit a queen that I thought she was. But I digress. I hadn't, I didn't meet them until the day before slash some of them the day of our very first game. They think that's wild. And I'm, I love meeting new people and facilitating conversations between groups of people that may not know each other. It's like my favorite thing to do, but doing so while also technically calling a major league baseball game that is not, um, this isn't a simulcast, which I think part of my brain was like, well, if they can do it, then I can do. And it was like, oh no, no, this is the broadcast. So if a fan of this team, like a die hard, angry fan of this team is wanting to watch this game, they don't care about you figuring it out. They need you to call the game that's happening. So that was a little, um, stressful, and then the, the other part is Hunter has Hunter Pence very recently was a baseball player. He hasn't been a broadcaster for an extremely long time. He's not a, you know, long time, well-tenured play-by-play guy, which is exactly why they want him and which is exactly why I love him as a person. But it's also like none of us of the three of us are like, oh, this is what happens when this happens. And Steven Nelson, also incredible, very experienced I have no idea how he does the actual play-by-play. -play. Uh, that sounds, it's the craziest job to me. I'm watching people hand him slips of paper and he's like reading them while also watching the game, while also scoring it. I'm like, you're out of your mind. I have no idea how you're doing any of that. You're a machine. 
Michael Cole would do that. When I first started doing commentary with WWE and I was like the same, I was like in the weeds where I'm like, what is happening? What am I doing? Oh my God, where do I go? What do I say? What do I do with my hands? And he's sitting there just like reading the script that is changing, getting notes from Vince or from Kevin Dunn, reacting to that stuff, texting his wife, like doing 16 different, catching his like uh, door, the door app thing, whatever. Like he would see who's like ringing his doorbell to like drop off packages. Like what is happening? And he's just like so smooth, doesn't miss a beat. Oh my God. How inferior does it make you feel? Because you're like, I can't find the stat that I know I wrote down, but I have six notebooks in front of me and idiot me can't remember what notebook this stupid stat is in. So I'm looking for one thing I once knew and he's using 800 things he currently knows. Oh my God. The relatability to me for that is so funny. The amount of times that I'd be like, notes, 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 this line, this line, this line. I'm like, oh fuck, what was the thing I wanted to say? Shit, the moment's passed. Now we moved on to another segment can I find a way to shoehorn that line back in here and then you do and it's crickets and you're like I should have left that I should have left it I should have said goodbye it is so hard to find so the point I'm making is like the it's all we're all new we're all new to each other we're all new to the job relatively especially in that industry where like the people who've done it have mostly done it for a really really long time So we're figuring all that out. And at the same time, I'm trying to figure out how to be this new question mark. Like the goal is to be a gateway. I know that sounds like I think I'm some, my goal is to be like, look, if you love sports, it's like what I wanted to do with the Olympics too, and still want to do. If you like sports, you will like this thing, even if you think you don't like it. You might think you don't like it because you don't like uh, something about it that wasn't explained to you, or you might not like it because you don't understand it, or you might not like, but whatever it is, it can be awesome. And like loving sports, the older I get, the more I'm like, you love sports, you can love any sport. You can find that moment. It can give you that feeling. It can give you the same feeling that your favorite sport gives you. You can still get that little tingle that you get like in your rib cage. It's funny because I feel like you do a really good job of making things accessible in that sense. Like I was watching you doing like Olympic stuff, talking about snowboarding. You're like, what is this move? Doing it with like the Barbie doll, trying to like figure things out, which is great. But it's also like I know how hard it is to be in a spot like that and try to not dumb something down, but to just be like, this is for everybody. We're all learning. If you don't know every insider term, here's X, Y, and Z. But it's hard because the people that like me, who I'm like, oh, what is this flip that she's talking about? I'm all in. But the people that are like these diehards, it's like that weird juxtaposition to be in. Have you found it hard kind of doing that dance? Yeah. And I, uh, you know how much it pains me to say this because I know you kind of said something like it a second ago. We hate to bring it up, It's been very hard doing that as a woman, because as a woman, when you say, I don't know, they say, no women know. Yes. Or the women say, you're making us look bad. We are taking a step back because of you. And and it's like, um, it's just really tough because you feel like you're leaning into the wind and you're walking in like a snowstorm and you're really trying and it hurts, but you're like, I know that I'm doing this for a reason. And then the reason that you think you're doing it is yelling at you to tell you that you're actually making it worse. It's hard to tune that out and be like, no, I know that what I'm doing 
is the right thing and is the good thing in the future. Like it, it pushes us in the right direction. It really sucks getting yelled at by women. And you're like, come on, I'm not trying to sound like an idiot. And I, and screw you, I don't sound like an idiot because I know I'm not an idiot, but I'm making jokes because jokes are an easy way to bring people in. Because if something is funny, they won't really care what the other thing is. I've seen it with millions of podcasts where people are like, oh, I listened to this podcast about history. I hate history, but the two guys who host it are so funny. So I'll listen to them and then I might learn something. So I try to do it by being funny and I try to do it by asking questions. Questions that sometimes TV magic, I know the answer to, but I know that like a week ago or like if I hadn't prepped for this game, I wouldn't know the answer to. So sometimes I ask them to make the people at home who might have that question go, oh, it's okay to know to like have that question. Like, I'm not in the booth trying to be like, I know everything about baseball. I'm the expert. I know these guys in and out because I don't. I'm a studio host who likes to tell jokes, who thinks that athletes are people. And that's like a huge part of um, the way that I interact with sports. And I like to show human moments and I like to make people laugh. Apple didn't hire me thinking that I was going to suddenly become a person who can tell you how many outs there are right now. And the hardest part of these first few weeks and the thing I have to keep reminding myself, stop trying to become that because you will be a subpar version of that because you haven't had the time, the experience, any of that. Okay, here's a quick question. How many times have you had to have have this conversation with yourself throughout your career? Because you have been going against the grain from day one that you must constantly just have to check in to remind yourself, yes, I am doing something good and trying to pave the way. And that shit is not fucking easy. Honestly, Renee, until, um, and this might be recency bias, I'm going to try to check myself as I say it. Until this recent, uh, like the COVID halt that we kind of came to, I don't think I was as aware of like what I was making or trying to do. It was kind of just like, well, they said I can, so I'm gonna, and I'm going to work really hard at it. And then I'm going to ask, can I do this? And if they say I can, then I'm gonna, and then I'm going to work real hard at it. It sort of just felt like I was following a predetermined path that I was just like, yeah, well, this is logical next step. And this is logical next step. I haven't had a lot of moments where I'm like, what's my big decision going to be? Like, I think joining ESPN was a big decision. It was like the mothership. And so it wasn't really that big of a decision. It was like the names of people I'd get to work with and and all that. I haven't had to check myself as much uh, until now, until now that I'm aware, now that I've looked back and gone, because I had a moment where I was really about to probably snap. And my boyfriend was like, have you looked back and like, look at all that you've done. He was like, you've won an Emmy. You were bartending. You graduated college. You couldn't get a job. You you bartended. And then you just kind of started doing a thing. And like you work at ESPN and you won an Emmy and you are a, a single, like a female hosted show. And he like kind of, I don't know, resume me at me. We love a good, let somebody pop my tires up and yeah, remind me, remind us who we are. And please. It was, I had, I kind of like, all of a sudden I felt like it was like, I looked over the edge and realized how high up on a building I was. Mm. And then I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. So I like <laughs> stepped back and was like, I did, whoa, I better not screw this up. And I think like that thought is then what now has me like forgetting because sometimes I'll get so afraid that this tiny 
leap of faith I made of like, you know what? Because I sat with this baseball decision for a while when they asked me. And when they first asked me, I laughed out loud. And I was like, that's the, they're so sweet. No, (laughs) absolutely not. Uh, And then the the guy from Apple that came up with the idea called me and explained to me his idea of why he's like, here's why you. And he was like, we want, you know, more people to feel welcomed in this sport. We want it to be fun and feel alive. And, um, and like, we think you can bring that to the booth. We want to try it. We want it. They originally were like, we want it to be like a podcast while a baseball game is going on. I called my best friend and I was like, here's a crazy idea that I was just pitched. It was actually her birthday yesterday. So let me just say happy birthday to the most beautiful woman on earth, Hannah, Hannah Weir. I, she's Hannah Abdelhamid to me, but Hannah Weir, I love you so much. She'll never hear this. She's the greatest. You would love Love the name Hannah too, by the way, really loved it. It kept coming to me when I was pregnant. I was like, am I naming my baby Hannah? No H on the end. That's like my baby's Nora. Yeah. No H. I love this. Shout out to the no H's. But so I was talking to Hannah, the most wonderful woman on earth. And she and I was like, isn't that silly that they would ask me to do that? And she was like, Kate, listen to your voice light up talking about it. Like you do love baseball. Like you're you connect it with your family. It's like the sport your dad taught you. It was I mean, I played softball, but it was the sport we would go watch, you know, Red Sox games together. She's like, you should. I think you should try it. And like hearing another person say that when I think in the back of my mind, I was like, I just need someone else to confirm that I think I should try this. And then she did. And I was like, okay, I think I'm gonna. So like, I think my fear lately is that that tiny step, that leap was like, nah, you overestimated your abilities. And obviously you couldn't do this. And you knew you couldn't do this. And you should have listened to your first instinct, which was to laugh. But I have to keep sitting myself down and being like, it's... You can keep trying, try it for a full season and see. The thing I'll say too, from like, just from my experience doing commentary, but mostly being around people that have done it for a long time, it is not that thing that people jump in and are like, they get it. It takes years and years and years to like really hone that craft and find what your voice is and find that pacing and the chemistry, all those things. Fight fans, take your best shot with $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. It doesn't matter if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out. New customers get an instant $200 in free bets on your first bet of $5. Just sign up with promo code Rene to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Choose from the money line to the method of victory and so much more. To get your $200 in free bets guaranteed, just sign up with promo code Rene. That's R-E-N-E-E on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable fee bets that expire 14 days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. The Tennessee red line is 1-800-889-9789. Or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Really quickly, let's just get to it so that we don't have to dwell on it. What happened with ESPN and then we don't have to talk about it? Um, oh, I don't even remember at this point. Um, so <laughs> it's all a blur. I, 
I was there for a couple of years. Um, there was like a lot of uh, what's the word they use in companies like that when they shift reorgs. There were a lot of reorganization things happening around the time I got there, which got me kind of lost in the shuffle. One thing I learned when I got over there, ESPN has so much talent. I'm using that as like a job title. They have so much talent. We had an all talent only meeting, like probably two or three months into me working there. And it was in like an auditorium. And I remember looking out and being like, that is a sea of on-air talent. Because you got to think about like Deportes and like ESPN2, all the sports centers, all the all of that. There's so many hosts. And I think that like if you're not tethered to a property, like a solid property, then you can just kind of get lost in that. And that's just my assessment. That may not be how other people's experiences at ESPN, but it felt to me like if I had a at least like a an executive or some sort of like, you know, I do a weekly thing on sports center. So I'm tied to sports center. You can kind of just, they can forget that you're there. And like, if that's how you want to work, like if you don't want to do anything, then you could probably skate by until they notice and then they stop hiring. But if you like want to get things done, it can be very frustrating. And it's a lot of it felt like it was on me to be proactive, to go and ask people for the work. And it, in my experience, it was like, well, then why work for a company if I have to then go and solicit the work? I thought that the agreement was that you give me the work and I do the work. I like having tasks given to me that I want to complete, but I'm not good at making my own to-do list. Like it's much easier for me if someone's like, let's clean the kitchen. I'm like, good kitchen. I'm going to clean it. That's why I pushed to have a show and we made Always Late. It launched with ESPN Plus, which was brand new at the time. And they were figuring out rights and stuff like that. Like what, how much of the content that runs on plus can we then post anywhere else, like promoting the show? And it was a pretty small amount. And so there was kind of this period where incredibly online me was making content at a company that I couldn't share anywhere online. And it was, people were kind of just like, where did she go? And I was working really hard on something that I I don't think a lot of people were seeing just by nature of it being a new app. And the, like, not a lot of people had switched over to it yet. They weren't interacting with it. And I couldn't really spread it, which stinks. Cause when I work on something, I want to work on it really hard and make it as good as I possibly can. And was that the greatest show ever? No, but it's very hard for me to go, well, then let's make the show terrible and make something that's going to get out there into the world good. I'm more like, no, I don't want there to ever be evidence that I made a show that was absolutely terrible because that'll just be what takes me down. So we did that for a while, then it moved to TV. And then once the pandemic hit, I kind of felt like we were the voice of the show. It was called Always Late. May it rest in peace. God rest its soul. It was a great show. I hope you're proud of what that show was. Oh, thank you. I am. I think I'm less proud of it than Garbage Time, but I think I'll be more proud of it in time. I haven't gone back and watched it. But the week that we had to stop because of COVID, my scheduled guest was Orange Cassidy. And I was so excited to figure out how to interview Orange Cassidy. And then we had to cancel for the pandemic. And so I think voice-wise, I was like, oh, we are actually primed for a time in sports where a sports network is going to have to cover things, but there are no sports to cover. I was like, the voice of my show is perfectly aligned with that. Like we, we, sometimes we don't get to the games because we're talking about all the stuff tangentially related to sports. But I just think that that wasn't ever going to be how it worked. It wasn't ever going to be because there were no sports. My show became the most important show because you still had, you know, Stephen A. Smith's and like people who, who make things that depend on the sport. They're still your top talent. And so our show um, got cut. 
it was a bummer, but it was also like, it, it was going to be impossible to try to produce from our homes anyway. The amount of having to film myself do comedy alone in a room would have really bummed me out, would have reminded me of my old YouTube days. And I always felt like I was developing a mental disorder in my old YouTube days because you're like laughing and talking and you're alone in a house. And it's just kind of the neighbors like, keep it down. Exactly. So part of me was happy and like relieved that we didn't have to do that. But then we started focusing on what the only outlet I had was my podcast. So they bumped us up to two days a week. Um, and Ashley and I, Ashley Brabant, my best friend and beloved former co-host, we had kind of figured out this, we had gotten it to a place where we were making something we really liked. And then um, in a round of layoffs, without any warning, uh, Ashley was gone. And so that really bummed me out. And then uh, I think shortly after that, I'm again, bad at timelines and calendars in general. Dan Lebetard announced that he was leaving. And then it was just like, I, I just kind of felt like I was at a party I, I didn't want to be at. It genuinely felt like I was at someone's house. Like I came as a friend of a friend and then all my friends left. And then I was like, hey, sorry, I'm still here. It was just kind of the vibe. And so we had a conversation about, about you know, still working there, not working there. And I think we just decided that it was like, no, this is, we should go. We should probably wrap it up. Like a part of me was terrified to have no job because of the pandemic. And because, you know, media is completely different now than it was six months ago and will be completely different in six more months. So it's like, it's tough to make that kind of a move without a sure next thing. And then another part of me was like, you need a vacation. (laughs) And if that vacation just means like from moving, then take that vacation. Like watch the TV shows you've never been able to watch. Build all these Legos that you've bought over the years (laughs) of like things that you've wanted to do and play with and like enjoy some stuff and just chill for a little bit. Easier said than done though, right? Did you have an easy time to kind of give into that? Let me just enjoy this. Or did you feel, were you feeling a little bit like the rug had been pulled out from underneath you? Well, look, so it's never difficult for me to be lazy Um, (laughs) physically, physically. I am physically love laying down, love having a sit. Nothing I love more than like, oh, a a commute where I like walk two steps to a sit and then I get to sit and then I transfer to another sit, but it's only a couple steps away. I love sitting and laying down. I spend a lot of time in bed. So that part of it's not difficult. The mental side of it, the part where I needed to be a little like mentally lazy and instead of like running through the reality of my situation every five minutes to make me realize like, oh, you are um, getting older, don't have a job, nothing lined up. There's so much for us to unpack here because you and I went through, I feel like you and I are living essentially kind of this parallel life of working for this gigantic company, decide to go separate ways, being like mid 30s, what the fuck do I do now? I've got this body of work. My body is telling me, hey, I, I did crank out having a baby. I got on, I literally was pregnant right after I left WWE. So I was like, okay, good. I can at least check that box. But it's just such a mind fuck though. And I, I think for anybody, but when you've been working so hard for so many years and then all of a sudden you get off that ride and you're like, wait, am I, my head's still kind of spinning? How do I gather my thoughts? What is next for me imposter syndrome has always kind of been a thing for me where I'm like, was that all just a fluke that I was doing anything to begin with? It's all very hard to wrap your head around. I honestly, um, 
I bought a journal at a CVS, which is a weakness of mine. It's my toxic trait. If I go to a, a Target or a CVS or a Walgreens, a Rite Aid, I'm picking up at least two notebooks, colored pens too. And like that tape and like the, all the little sticky, whatever. I'm like, a, I, I now have the trapper keeper I always wanted, but my mom always bought me those like mead notebooks, one subject. And you're like, thanks mom. I'm the Lisa Frank I wanted to see in the world. <laughs> Let your Lisa Frank fly, baby. But so I bought this notebook and I just started like writing things down. And then there would be days where like my boyfriend would come home from, you know, back when he started going back out into the world and would be doing, you know, stand up sets or his radio show. And he'd come home and I would just be like writing and he with headphones in and he would come in and be like, hey, and I would just put my hand up and just keep writing and writing. And I haven't gone back and read any of them yet. But I bet um, there's some stuff in there that might help me through all of this. So I'm realizing as I'm saying it to you, I should probably go read what I wrote. Oh, it's, it is such a weird time, though, too. Like, I just feel like it's something about being in your mid-30s, too, of like actually hitting your stride and being like, I know what I'm doing now. I've done it. I've got the experience. I've been there and done that. I'm ready to pivot into that, into that next thing. But when you don't have your hand on that next branch and you have that moment of like, oh, God, where am I going to land? What am I going to do? It can be such a weird thing. Uh, but you mentioned earlier uh, when we first hopped on here that there was a point that you were thinking about maybe not doing this at all. What were you thinking about then? What was that looking like? I hadn't really taken, I don't think I let myself take the second step of like, what would it look like if I didn't? It was just a like, is this the natural end point of this? Getting into whatever this job even was that I've been doing, it was always like, Interview questions were always like sports and comedy. People have tried it. Doesn't always work. And I think I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. But this one's gonna because it's funny and it doesn't matter. I think it doesn't work because people bail on it. I don't know something about making similar shows. I know Garbage Time and Always Late were different, but it was just me making a show. So it's like making it in two different places and it quote unquote not working as in, I don't know, what did I think it was going to become the top show on the network? No, but it didn't get the push or bump that I, I thought it was going to get. What do you think that's about? Is that about just like people maybe not understanding it or people at the jump are like, yeah, let's try this new thing, but not really giving it the time that it truly needs to marinate to be successful? You know what? I think like I don't um, and I always said this from the start is like, I don't actually know how to make TV. I just watch a lot of TV and I know how to um, make stuff that makes me laugh. So like having a good producer and we had a, but we've had a bunch of different throughout this run, but having a good producer that can be like, Oh, this is that becomes the cold open. And that's the, this and learning from them was great and helpful. But I feel like it could just be that like, maybe I make a bad TV show. The thing to me that has always been my guiding principle is like, I don't um, care if anybody else likes it as much as like, I want to make sure I like it. And that might sound selfish, but to me, it's like, it would be selfish to make it for somebody else. It would be selfish of me to be like, yeah, let me make this show exactly what that person wants because who's that? That person doesn't know. And I think that if you make something that's true to you, it will resonate with other people. There's that infectiousness that comes with it too. When you can see somebody that loves what they're doing and you're in your zone doing your thing, that, that's what makes TV successful, right? I think so. I think connecting with people through a screen is very difficult. And I think that it, 
if I'll give myself a compliment, very rarely do I, but I think I've gotten pretty good at it. And I, and genuinely find it rewarding, like connecting with people through, whether it's a podcast or a TV show, like that shit like gets me. It makes me feel like when somebody tells me that I made them feel seen, I'm like, Oh God, I could cry and retire. Like it's, it's the best when someone says like, I didn't think sports were for me. My husband was watching and I overheard you say that. And now I'm, I love sports because that's part of why I knew I could do this was because I saw Michelle Beadle do it. She's making jokes that other people like men predominantly would not get. It's a joke that's for a woman on a sports show. And I was like, hell yeah, to that lady. When I can do that for somebody else, it means the world to me. So when you say like, what do you think happened? And why haven't they, I don't know. I don't know if you specifically said why have all your shows failed, but it's definitely what my brain hurt. <laughs> That is that is not what I said at all. Part of it is probably time slot. Part of it is, I mean, I've done and read all the dumb research after on sports networks. The only content that does well in a post game slot is game specific. You don't normally carry a sports lead in to like the next different show. I loved what Norm McDonald was doing in that me space. Too. Like that to me, when he started doing that, I was like, oh, my God. Like if Norm McDonald is not, wasn't able to figure out to like crack that code, obviously it's there. The content is there. The talent is there. It's like finding the best way to execute that to like, why can't these fucking shows live? It kills me. It's weird because it's politics, something that's a lot more like actually has an effect on our lives. But sports fans are a specific type of, of their fanatics as like by nature. And they are passionate about one tiny, and it might be a team in a different league. Like if you're breaking it down to all the different teams in all the major leagues, that's a ton of teams. And so if you make a joke about their baby, they can react in a way that's like, get this canceled. And you're like, what? I don't, what? Oh my, why can't it just be easy to make nice television that people enjoy? I don't know, but you know what? I'm going to still keep doing it. I still in my dream. I still think that someday we're going to get, we're going to pull this off. I don't know where it's going to be, but like the garbage time spirit still lives in me. I also want to reassure people. I'm not just going to become a a booth person. I don't think. Yeah. That's what I wanted to know. Like what it like, I mean, yes, garbage time, uh, always late. Like, is that always still going to be the goal to keep the, the heart and soul of what that is and continue to build upon that. Is that um, that's the end goal for Katie Nolan? Yeah, I think so. Because um, I think I even said it in interviews when we were launching Garbage Time. And they were like, what is this show? And I was like, it's me as a TV show. So I, I don't think I can lose. It's kind of good that I put it out there because then I have like a, a receipts for myself where I'm like, this is who you are. This is what you do. This is what you make. This is the reflection of you to kind of be my North star and guide me in whatever I'm going to do next. Because like we were just saying, the media landscape is different. If you had asked me a bunch of years ago, what I would want to do, I'd be like, Oh, I want to be a late night host. But like in five years, I don't know if a late night host is going to be a job. And I'm sure that that type of content will evolve to something else. So where I'm at right now is like maintain who I am. Um, I think I'm probably going to launch a podcast within the next few weeks. I thought I wanted to just, I needed the first few weeks of this baseball thing to just blinders because I knew if I tried to go from not working for the longest period, I think of my adult life into 
working a job I had never done before on baseball, like official baseball sanctioned broadcast and something else at the same time. I think I would have just burnt out. I would have gone nuts. So I wanted to give myself some time, but now I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, I'm not getting enough time to talk each week. And so I'm going to need another place to put some of my words. Do you want to do like an MLB podcast to continue to expand on that or more of a let's touch on everything? I think in my ideal world would be the second one. But I also think that like I have I'm putting so much MLB into my processor each week that I'm like, there's stuff we're not going to get to or stuff that I'm like, I know they won't let me say this that I could probably say on a podcast. So I think that it would be easier for me at first, at least to do them both. But I again, I'm I'm like conscious of I don't want to become like, oh, Katie Nolan's baseball now. It's like, no, I'm still, you know, all of them. But it is what I'm focusing on right now. So I don't know. I'm not really sure. I'm also realizing there were questions that I was answering of yours that I don't think I ever answered. So if you're mad, you can just. No, you know, I liked where we were headed. You have there's lots of things to talk about. And I have all these notes that I've written down um, about things that I wanted to talk to you about. And we got to most of them. But one that's just really jumping out to me. We have to talk some rhythmic gymnastics here. Oh, I love this. So I didn't really know much about this. I'm watching it during the Olympics and blah, blah, blah. It's on when I'm in the gym. And I was like, look at these athletes just fucking crushing it. And then come to find that you are a rhythmic gymnast. Yeah. Was, How did this was. happen? What? Formerly. I'm sure you still have it. No. But like, no, no. what an interesting like niche market to get into. Like I did gymnastics for quite some time, but no one ever offered to me the ribbon and the balls. That was never an option to me. No one ever offered to me the flipping because they knew that I would have snapped my neck. I had no, I was completely unable and way too scared to figure skate or do uh, regular gymnastics. But I had to have a girly sport. Why did you have to have a girly sport? What do you mean by that? Because I just, because there's half of me, look, I have an older brother. And so I wanted to play hockey for a while because he played hockey and my parents would let me until his hand-me-downs didn't fit me anymore. And then they were like, we're not buying two sets. of. Ho- you're not going far in hockey, kid. It's too expensive. We're not doing this and we know you're going to quit. So let's get you into something else. I had softball and that was like, again, it was like father-daughter bonding. He was like my coach my whole childhood. But then I wanted this like, you know, me, the like a little artist in me wanted to be expressive. So I joined dance and I joined a dance studio in Ashland, Massachusetts, which was like a town or two over from my town. And when I was, I think, five years old, the head of the dance center, Anne Marie, came over and was like, we are going to start a I mean, she must have asked my mom in my memory. Of course, she dealt with me like a little businesswoman, (laughs) but it was probably my mom. Uh, She's like, we're starting a rhythmic gymnastics competitive team and we would like Katie to be a part of it. And so uh, my mom was like, I don't know how she said yes. Shout out to her because I'd be like, a what to the who now? (laughs) And we uh, learned about it. I remember we learned about it a lot on VHS tapes because it was very Eastern European dominated sport. And so there wasn't a lot of like local resources. I know Connecticut, like Rocky Hill, Connecticut was a big hub for rhythmic gymnastics. A lot of our I could see Connecticut being into the rhythmic gymnastics. I don't really get it, but it was like we would drive past that Aetna building and stop at Ryan's Deli. It was like my whole childhood was that trip from Massachusetts to Connecticut on the weekends. I started out, we would do individual. So that's like, you know, everybody does the one ball, one hoop, one ribbon, yada, yada. Clubs were my least favorite. I have the most injuries from clubs, which are those two little 
They're now made out of rubber, but back in the day were made out of very solid plastic. <laughs> the steel batons. Throw these, young woman. I feel like a, I feel like one of those old baseball players who's like, <laughs> back in my day, catchers didn't even use mitts. They were made out of plastic and it sucked. And now that I see them bouncing and I'm like, my clubs could never. Uh, but then so we did. I, I got into group. So group was um, at the time and maybe it's different in youth than it is in the real Olympics, because the real Olympics now I see groups of five, but we were a group of four and we went to the junior Olympics in 1997. It was in Atlanta. So it was right after the 96 Olympics had happened. And so that was a very cool experience and won gold in, um, and I want to say who, how do you not remember you won, you won what? Because then we won again and then we won again. Like we won a lot. And I also, I don't think these things were like international competitions. I remember only competing against like not that many people, but maybe I'm just, I don't know. We won and nobody can take that away from me. It's fantastic to me. This was such like a undiscovered gem when I was like, wait, Katie Nolan does what? I loved it. Ooh, I loved it. But Renee, I had a short haircut. I think you could really rock a good pixie, though, because you got that like tiny, cute little bod. I think you could really be I like the pixie could be for you. No, no. It makes me look like a pin. I have a <laughs> tiny little head and it's um, I need the volume from the hair. But I stood out in a crowd. And so like people would always come over to me and be like, I remember you. But I was like, wow, I'm memorable. And it was like, no, your haircut. It's just your haircut. <laughs> Having a short haircut when your kid is a bold choice. I respect it. It wasn't a choice. <laughs> it was not a why choice. Did, why did your parents chop your hair off? My mom said that it would give me a personality, <laughs> that it would, I would be, it would, you don't want to be just like all the other girls with their buns on the tops of their head. And I was like, mom, I desperately, mom, I desperately want to be like all the other girls with a bun on top. I want to blend in so badly. I didn't grow it out until entering high school. So eighth grade, seventh grade was probably the worst year of my life. Growing it out as a kid too is a rough. Gr- growing, making the decision in seventh grade. Seventh grade was so bad that I was like, okay, I'm going to deal with this for eighth grade. Eighth grade's a write off. It sucks. So I'm going to spend it with braces, growing out my short hair to long hair. We're just going to suck it up and we're going to get through this because by the time I get to high school, I'm walking in those doors with long Katie Holmes from Dawson's Creek hair and I'm going to have on my Aeropostale and I'm going to have one of those belts that's got too many little like loops in it because that was the style and boy, oh boy, they're going to have, they're going to be like, who's that? And I'm going to be like, Katie, um, that didn't really happen, but I did uh, grow my hair out for high school. Who knows? That is really um, a hell of a tale because I mean, as a woman that recently had a bob and my hair just all grew, I know what it's like having that grow out, but I do kind of agree with your mom. I felt like my personality was shining more when I had short hair. I had to really make up for it. Now I'm just like, I got a top knot, bitches. I don't have to try anymore. You can't say nothing to me. Can't say shit to me. Um, Okay. And then you minored in dance. Yeah. So dance like was the thing. I auditioned for the dance program at the University of Hartford, I want to say. They have a, a like a great dance program. And I got an audition. What kind of dance? This was like ballet, but I wasn't that good at ballet. I was fine at ballet and point. I mostly liked jazz and modern and like contemporary, you know, like all that emotional. Why are we not getting Katie Nolan like TikTok dance videos is what I would like to know. When I was younger, I could say like, 
I love dancing hip hop. And now that I have the internet and experiences and I've met people, I'm like, don't say that. <laughs> because I know that what was being taught to me in Ashland, Massachusetts was not in any way what would have been actually called hip hop dancing. So it's like, I'm aware of myself now. So I don't dance anymore, except for myself. We love being self-aware. We love it. Love, I, I don't know. Maybe you're missing, maybe you're missing a, a big market here. I think you should just at least give it a shot. TikTok dancing are like, it's like air traffic control. It's not really, they're just hand motions and, and weirdly sexualized butt stuff. Football fans, check out the Three and Out podcast with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip, John has you covered. Download Three and Out with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. Okay, so you're into all of these like very feminine sports. When did the swing of like this comedy streak kick in? When did you know that you were funny? Oh, God, probably last year. Um, (laughs) Genuinely, uh, the pressure was off me when I got the funniest man on earth to fall in love with me. That's when I was like, yep, okay, I don't have to worry about this anymore. Anybody who says I'm not funny is wrong because this guy thinks I'm very funny and he is the funniest guy on earth. So like that was the first time I stopped worrying about whether or not I was. But like in my family growing up, if you weren't funny, you weren't going to get anybody's attention. Like the way to get my mom's love was like my mom has the greatest laugh. When you really get my mom to laugh, and she throws her head back and she's got these big, beautiful teeth. And she's just like, <laughs> like she is the best. And she was a bartender growing up. So like I would watch her work a room with like her regulars. And just, I was like, I want to be like that. I want to like make people laugh and always have something witty or funny to say, or always get someone to go, oh, Cammy, the way they do to my mom. Like I want them to be like, oh, Katie, you, you always have something to say. So like that was my, it was my upbringing. It was the way that you communicated with each other in the house. And it took me a while to find my comedy voice. Like I think in the early stages, I cringe now thinking about how hard I was trying to say the thing that was funny. It's so obviously me like mimicking and like parroting something somebody else has said that I'm like, oh, this will be funny. And it's like, no, but it has been said. So it's not as funny. So it took me a while to find like what my voice is comedically, but now it's just like the most fun thing to do is to just make people laugh. It's hard. I think we were touching on this before as like a woman, because I think a lot of times, unfortunately, people don't assume that's why you're there. It's not the first thing they think. So when you're funny, I've noticed like in this job, a lot of people will just take what I'm saying at face value and think that I'm being serious. I'm like, that's a very obvious joke. But what I'm forgetting is that like, they're looking at me and not thinking that it's, which, you know, is a problem. Um, People should just sort of get over but uh, it's also a reality that like it it's, does us no good to pretend that that's not the case. Like that is how people interact with me. It's pretty amazing looking at like 
not only like the shows and stuff that you've done and like the the pocket that you've carved out for yourself, but you've covered so many different sports. Holy shit. How do you like prepare jumping into a new sport? Uh, you know, whether you're jumping and covering the Olympics, you're on ML, you know, covering MLB now. What does your prep look like? MLB has changed um, like six times in the first 10 weeks. I'm still figuring it out. It's the it's one of the keys that once I unlock it, I'll be like, all right, now I can just do the job. Because right, like the first week I focused on like, first week I went in, I'm like, let's go in cold. Let's just go in cold and see what's up. You know how the sport works. You don't have any questions about the rules. Like you've, it's the one you've come closest to playing. So that's fine. And you know what? The fact that you haven't watched baseball in a year, I don't think it's going to matter. <laughs> It mattered a little bit. Uh, I should have done a little bit, a little bit more prep than that. So then the next week, of course, I overcompensated. The next week I was like, I will read everything there is to read. I will make a document for every team. And then I got a third of the way through them and was like, I can't do this much work in a week. It's too, you're being insane. It's insane. Like physically impossible. If I had started the moment the job was done and finished the moment I had to do the next job, there wouldn't have been enough time to do all the things I needed, quote unquote, in my mind to do that week. So then I started um, diving in on fan perspectives. So I would spend the week, not like monitoring like a hall monitor, but just like keeping an eye on the ebbs and flows of the Reddit pages for the two teams we were going to cover that week. The fan base, or at least, you know, the Reddit fan base is souring on this guy. That's probably indicative that there's something that's happened over the last few games or whatever. It would just kind of give me a sense of where everybody stood with the fan base. And I would listen to, there's a lot of daily podcasts that cover every team. So I would listen to like that week of podcasts by their daily podcast hosts of like, this was the recap of the game. This pitcher's having a good season. This pitcher's starting to bounce back. This pitcher's not doing very well right now. His last three games have been bad. So just like take notes on all that. And now what I do is I just watch games. What I've learned is like, okay, just buy the thing, that MLB thing, and watch the games of the teams you're about to cover the week before you cover them. And so that's what I've been doing. And like, you know, reading stuff online and Googling them and trying to find fun facts and trying to find what the angles on things are. But the crazy thing is like they could, an at-bat can be done like that. And so you're like, okay, well, I had seven things to say about that guy. And now he's gone. Hope he gets up again. Have you ever fucked up a name on a broadcast? Oh, I, you know what I do? I err on the side of, I don't say it. I will do that on things I absolutely know. <laughs> Just on like, the first name basis. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes Mike. I'm like, oh, it's, uh, I'm like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a name. The only name I can think of because we're covering the Mets and I have his name open in a dock in front of me right now is Pete Alonzo. I'd just be like, it's Pete. Big A, you know, <laughs> I just would just bail on it. I would make something else up. Sometimes I know things like the other day, there was a graphic in front of me that said like leading the NL and my, I was so afraid my mouth was going to say NL instead of obviously national league that I was like, he's leading in the, well, you see the graphic. Like I just bailed on it. Like I'm so afraid to mispronounce things. And I'm also afraid of correcting um, my coworkers when they mispronounce things. Cause that's what I do as a person. That's my, another toxic trait. Sorry that I have. Or when somebody mispronounces a name, I correct them. But I think as long as you'd come from like a good place and you're like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. It's, there's so many names. It's funny. I, I find myself, like if I'm ever doing, I do a serious show with Misha Tate. So we cover obviously a lot of UFC, a lot of MMA and there's 
<laughs> and there's like some names sometimes that I'm like, I can see it coming a mile away. I'm like, you're going to fuck it up. You're going to fuck it up. You're going to fuck it up. There we go. You fucked it up. And now we're on to the next. Fuck. It's like when you're anticipating, it must be how athletes feel when a pitch is coming and they're in a slump and they're like, you're going to miss, you're going to miss, you're going to miss. And that's how we relate. Especially if I take a second, I try to write it out phonetically. And then I oh, look yeah. at the phonetic way I wrote and it. And I'm, I'm like, like that for? can't be right. <laughs> I'm like, who are you talking to? I'll write notes to myself in my notes that later I'm like, what does this mean? Why'd you write this? Yeah, this means nothing to me now. Fuck. This doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's so great. Uh, well, Katie, I'm so happy that I got to have you on here. I could literally talk to you about so many different things for forever because I feel like we've done so many similar things. And I feel like I just feel like me and you need to get in the same room and have a couple beers and just see what happens. Have a little hang. Yes, please. <laughs> I would love that. And I'm sure my boyfriend would love if we could bring our significant others. I think he would love that very, very much. And so I'll make John would also love that. John loves John. I think believes that he is a comedian. So um, it would be a great hang. I, I will say he's mastered the dad joke like nobody else. I feel like something switches in their DNA the second that they it's like we think it doesn't affect them physically, but it does. Yeah, there was like there's like time and effort that I can see the wheels in motion and then the punchline hits. And I'm like, wow, you did it. Impressive. You went and did that. So, yes, we can have a group hang 100 percent. Katie, you are an absolute gem. Can't wait to hear you cover more MLB, everything that you're doing. Continue to crush it. You rule. You're the best. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. You're so beautiful and wonderful. And I wish you nothing but success in everything you do. Thank you. And listen, when I want to bust out the ribbons and the batons. I'll teach you. What I remember, I can teach you. I think that I may have missed my moment and that could have been it. So if we could just have a little revisit. Absolutely. I think we could do it. (laughs) All right. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you to Katie for jumping on and hanging out with me and just being so um, honest and open about all the things she has been through. I think that's something that's like super important. Find a lot of times, especially when you're like kind of like the first person to do something. There's almost this feeling of wanting to make everything seem like, oh, it's easy and breezy. And it's just a thing that I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm being this trailblazer. But like that is not the case. It is a bumpy road. It can be rough waters out there. So I love being able to get into that with her. And honestly, I think there were so many other things that we could have jumped on to to delve into and have a whole other conversation about. This is the most I've gotten to talk to her personally, except, you know, through some tweets and stuff here and there. Um, But I feel like Katie is exactly the person that you you assume that she is from watching her shows and all, all the things she's been able to put out there into the world. So... Continue to to follow Katie, see all the things that she's doing, and definitely check her out on Friday Night Baseball. Catch you guys later. This has been The Sessions.